Hello and welcome to this Bucketless Gamers bonus content, which we are now terming Bucketless Gamers DLC. This is the first one and it will be, as you probably know by this point because you're listening to it, a Patreon timed exclusive. It will go up on our Patreon first for anyone who wishes to help us out and listen to it a bit early. And then after an indeterminate amount of time, we will move it over onto our usual platforms so everyone can have a listen to it. So the first one we're looking at, two things. So recently for my birthday, I went to a place called the Arcade Warehouse in Scunthorpe. And we're going to talk a little bit about that. And we're also going to talk about Dead Island 2, which very recently released just last week. And the development cycle and the first game and everything sort of related to that. I am joined by Eddie. Hello. I thought I genuinely thought you were just going to gloss over it and I was going to have to introduce myself as revenge for the Oblivion miss-up. So. But yeah, I'm joined by Eddie as always. Um, we're going to kick off. I'll just talk a bit about the Arcade Warehouse. Uh, we've been looking at going to one of these things together, haven't we, for a bit, because there are some games on the list that are arcade-based and short of getting an emulator and trying to replicate the controls and stuff, the only authentic way we'd be able to play it is one of these types of locations because most of these games won't be in arcades anymore. They're that that old. So uh, we were originally going to go to one in Barnsley called the Retrodome, which I've heard really good things about, but unfortunately it didn't open until the middle of the afternoon and our schedules, mine and my friend who went, clashed with that. So we ended up going to the arcade warehouse in Scunthorpe because they opened slightly earlier, and yeah, it was it was a really good time. So it was nine pound each to get in, and that got you two hours access to everything they've got there. So they've got old school arcade machines, uh, slightly more modern arcade machines. They've got a room that is just full of PCs and Xboxes and other consoles that you can go in and play. And they've also got some VR machines which aren't any extra. So as long as you you're in there, you can go on those as long as they're free. You have to sign a waiver because a uh, Apparently a guy last week tried to get out of one on his own and smashed one of the controllers to bits and it was worth about 200 quid. So you have to sign a waiver and agree to pay for any damages and all that kind of thing. But other than that, it is free to go on the, the VR, which isn't the case in a lot of places. So yeah, we went in and we were quite lucky because we went on a weekday at like the middle of the day. We were the only people in there, so we had the whole place to ourselves. Usually I think it's got a capacity of about 60 people. So we could literally go on whatever we wanted, whenever we wanted. And they had quite a lot of the classics. So they got point blank with the two two guns and it was all in really good working order. The guns still had the kickback on them and everything. The screen had seen its day, I would say. It was a bit fuzzy, but it was still more than playable. Uh, they, they had some pinball tables, a couple of Pirates of the Caribbean pinball table, and I think a, a digital pinball table, so you could play all different ones, but it had the the feedback of real pinball with the buttons and all that kind of thing, which was cool. What other things did they have? They had quite a lot of shooter games, so they got a, a house, I think it was House of the Dead 4 with the little miniguns. Uh, they got a, a really modern Mission Impossible shooter, uh, where you get two handguns, but they're sort of attached to a turret, so you can't pick them up and wield them. They're sort of locked in place, and you can aim them around, but that one was quite fun. We played that quite a bit. Uh, they had a 4D shooter, like a zombie shooter, which was unlike anything I've been on before. So you got the 3D glasses. You got, a like, um, you may have seen them at the coast. You know, there's like water pistol guns. 
the kids put a quid in and then they can squirt water at, at targets and knock them over and that kind of thing. It looked very much like that. It was one of those turrets, but with trigger buttons that you could shoot. And it also had a heart rate monitor in it, which it displayed on the screen. So the more panicked you got, you could see your heart rate fluctuating. And then when zombies attacked you from out of nowhere, it puffed air at you and the seat shook, which was something I'd, I'd never experienced before. And I think they're about two quid a go in, in a proper arcade. And the amount of times we died, we'd have probably rinsed about 40 quid into it. So it was nice to just be able to play it as long as you wanted and just keep getting extra lives on it. Uh, they had the old school basketball hoops where you could just shoot for points. Uh, ski ball so there was a real range of stuff that you that you could play they had um dance dance revolution guitar hero all those kinds of things so it really did have a bit of everything in it uh there was a soft play area for the kids if you're taking kids that are younger and aren't interested in in arcade machines i don't know why they wouldn't be but that's there as well so yeah there was loads to do and for the price it it was really good so it's one of those that i would say if if you're in the area they've got locations in Scunthorpe, Lincoln, and North Shields, so very northern. If you're in the south, not not for you, but there's probably alternatives out there that are very similar. Uh, but yeah, I can't recommend it enough. We had a, a good laugh. Two hours is probably about enough to, to play everything you want, although as we were there completely on our own, we didn't have to wait for anything, so it might be a different scenario if it's a bit busier. But yeah, there was oh, there's an air hockey, a huge air hockey table as well, and a little eating area that had touchscreen consoles next to all the tables, so you could play quiz games. Uh, one of them, one of the tables, I've never seen anything like it, but it was like a, a glass table, and you sat with your feet underneath it, and you got a football, and both people's chairs were goals, and you could just like boot the ball at each other, and try and like score goals, and it registered it, and and things like that. So yeah, there was a lot going on there for for a relatively low price. Um, so I just thought I'd I'd give a bit of insight on that because we've been looking at going to one for a while and we didn't really know what to expect. And that was pretty decent what you got up there for the money. They, they were quite strict on the in and out times. So you weren't allowed in before 12, even to the bar area because the bar's sort of in the middle of it. So if you are going, get there at the time you are arriving because there's not really anything else to do until you're allowed in. And then, yeah, as soon as it got to the end of our time, they were sort of waiting to to boot us out as soon as we'd finished playing whatever game we were on. But other than that, I mean, and it's fair enough. You've paid for that time, so you'd expect it anyway. But yeah, with the place being empty, I did think they'd be a little bit more lenient, but that's fair enough if that's their policy. So yeah, I couldn't recommend it enough, and I don't know if, if you're up for going something like that soon. Maybe we'll head back somewhere like that. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, plus, we're going to need to for half the games on this bloody list <laughs> um, that we're working through. But I think, given how, as we said last week with my little rant against Nintendo, gaming as a whole is one of those weird art forms that seems to be more than happy to reject its past. And it's more than happy to push boundaries and keep bringing out new, 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 new. But when it comes to revisiting like golden ages of gaming, they seem really reluctant to do it. And I've never understood why, because surely the the purpose of being able to move forward, you need to look at what where you've come from, particularly because you take a look at your failures. And there have been some 
horrendous failures in gaming that we seem to keep revisiting, um, like VR tech. VR tech for home consoles, I don't think will ever properly catch on. Um, not to the degree that gaming companies want it to. And I think places like this one it, that you've been to in Scunthorpe and other ones around the country that do do full VR, 3D gaming are, are the way to go with it because it, it's more immersive and you've got the freedom of movement. Whereas in your living room, you've got a choice of standing up and potentially either smacking your TV, kicking your dog, um, tripping over the coffee table or walking into a wall or just sitting there with this 250 quid piece of plastic strapped to your head and the game keeps telling you that you need to stand up because it's not recognising your tazzy arm flails as a correct input because you're too low down. So it makes sense to do that and the only way you are able to properly appreciate um gaming in arcades is to go and play it in an arcade you playing the latest re-release of pac-man on a console is not going to have the same kick for you and i mean i know we absolutely panned pac-man but <laughs> if you went back and played it in an arcade there would be more of a because it's more immersive and the the analog sticks are different and you're having to the screen's bigger and yeah it, it makes more sense that way and it, I, i've never understood why gaming is so averse to its history really yeah i agree i think it's good that places like this exist to preserve that element of it because i don't understand quite how they're managing to run on what they're charging because those machines must take so much upkeep especially the age that they are now to keep them in working condition i mean there were a couple of there were a couple of things in there that weren't working. So there was um, one of those ones where it puts the paddles out and you have to punch them, and, and when they pop out, you hit them. So it's like whack-a-mole, but punching, essentially. That wasn't turned on at all. That was sort of sidelined completely, so that must have been broken. And then there were a couple of other ones that we tried to play that just weren't 100% working. So I mentioned on an episode a couple of weeks back one called, um, I couldn't remember the name of it, but it's called Vampire Nights, and it's a... I don't know if it's um, Capcom, but it's very Capcom-y type on-rail shooter, but with vampires instead of zombies. And they had that in there. And, and my friend, Sean, who I'd gone with, who we, me and him used to play it on the PlayStation with the proper light guns when we had the TVs capable of playing it. We wasted hours on that game, as I said. So when he saw it in there, he was like a kid at Christmas. And then when we went to use it, neither of the guns worked properly. Um, they just didn't hit on the screen where you were actually aiming. So that was a bit disappointing, but the majority of things in there were fine. I think one of the pinball, the Pirates of the Caribbean had a bit of a sticky flipper as well, and it's just stuff that happens over time. The amount of abuse those machines get from people that don't really care how they treat them, it's always going to happen. So the upkeep on that, the electricity, the rent for the building, and then you think that me and a friend have paid 18 quid for two hours. That's, that's not even going to keep the power on. So... It's one of those things that I think if you've got the opportunity to support someone like that, please go out and do it because there's a big piece of gaming history that's potentially going to get lost. Like Eddie said, not just the, the history of it, because you can always port those games. You can get ROMs for pretty much any arcade game now and sit and play them at home. 
but it's not the experience. It's not the atmosphere. You don't get the noise of the other machines bleeping and whirring in the background. You don't get that immersion because you've got your head practically in a dark cabinet with the controls in front of you. You don't get the clicky analog stick and the lit up buttons and the nice perspex dash telling you all the control combinations and all that kind of thing. And it's just not the same at all. So yeah, if, if we lost that, it would be a sad thing to lose. And with these companies probably having to pay a fortune to keep these things running, they need a lot of support. And if you've got the money and the time, I would definitely recommend going to one of them because it's something that, for me, it takes me back to my childhood. And I'm hoping it's something that kids these days will get to experience and at least know what it was like for us. Because you go in arcades now, we've we've ranted about this on regular episodes, and it's all put 2p in this and get a ticket or press a button and it you might spit out 50 tickets and you can go buy a drumstick lolly or something with it. It's not like it used to be where you chucked a load, like four or five quid into a, a turtles machine or something and you got like 20 odd minutes of playtime out of it with no expectation of a reward at the end. The reward was just enjoying what you were doing and that seems to have been lost a bit in the arcades now. Yeah, it, it modern arcades just seem to be... Um ports of games that you can that were designed for home consoles so i appreciate the sort of harking back to things like back when street fighter was in arcades and stuff like that but now they've done it with things like injustice which was designed for consoles and they've made arcade cabinets for injustice and it's like don't put put one of the older type game cabinets in there i mean if you can afford to take your kids to an arcade a modern arcade go to one of these places instead. Because yeah, yeah, definitely. Edu- if, particularly if they like gaming in a broad spectrum, um, not just I like to sit and play Minecraft all the time because they're not going to get the same enjoyment out of it. But if they get the same enjoyment out of playing sort of retro 3D si- uh, 2D side-scrollers or retro um, light gun shooters like Time Crisis... Take them somewhere like this. Support something that needs your money and your financial input. Don't take them to a modern arcade where they're putting two quid in to play Injustice, which they've already got at home and have fleeced you for 40 quid anyway when you bought the disc version of it. So, yeah, just do the right thing, really, is is the nicest thing I can say. I think there is a couple of arcade machines in in modern arcades that are worth playing, and that's about it. So we went, I think I mentioned this to you, there's a Minecraft one, to your point there, kids who enjoy playing Minecraft. But this is, it's Minecraft Dungeons, which is the one that came out for Xbox um, probably about six or eight months ago. But it's not the game that's on consoles. It's not like you're paying to play the console game. They've changed it, and it's essentially a like a Streets of Rage type beat em up It's just linear, and you go through and kill as many enemies as you can and try not to die. But the cool little quirky thing about it is, and it's it's two quid a go, so it's not cheap, but every time you play it, it spits a collectible card out, and you can scan the card into the game, and it gives you a piece of armor or a new weapon, depending on what card you get. So you could essentially go with a bundle of cards and scan a load of them in, and you'd be super powered, and then you'd potentially last longer in the game get more for your two pound but every time you put two quid in you get a collectible card and some of them are rarer than others and and there's that trading card aspect to it as well and i think that's a nice way for new game i know it's expensive and it probably 
parents hate it because kids are plaguing them for another two quid to get another card. And but at least you get something tangible that that kids might like to keep, and you get to play a game you can't sit and play at home. At least not in the same way. At least it's different in some way. So yeah, I think that's a good way to go. But these places have got all the classics and. So Mario Kart, they've got Mario Kart with the full seats and the wheels, two-player. Um, I'm just remembering more and more stuff. They did have Time Crisis. I think it was Time Crisis 3, if I'm not mistaken. So they've got a Time Crisis in there. Um, I'm just trying to think what else there was, because there was loads. There was like a Formula One simulator, and it must have been running through a console. I don't know what console it was, but it got the full wheel set up and pedals, and it might have even had the vibration in the seat and stuff. I, I didn't go on it, Sean did. But yeah, they they'd really got a good range. And even the room that was, we didn't even go in it, but there was the room full of PCs that would just had a massive Steam library on each one. For nine quid to go there and try a few games that you might want to buy it is decent as well. So yeah, there's lots going for it. And if you do live close enough to one of these places, please give them a go and, and let us know what you think because we're looking to visit more of them as well. And we're we're on the lookout for one specifically that have the games on our list. So... Yeah, if you go to any and you think they had a good range and you enjoyed them, please let us know. But enough ranting about arcades and how things have gone down the pan again. Um, We'll move on to Dead Island 2, which came out this week. Took me, well, last week now, took me by surprise, to be honest, because I didn't know it was coming out. I knew it was coming out soon. I didn't know it was out as soon as it was. And it was actually on the Friday when me and Sean went to the, uh, the arcade warehouse we were sat having something to eat before we went, and I was like, oh, I can have Dead Island 2 delivered today from Amazon by 10pm. And he was like, oh, yeah, we'll both have it then. So we both bought a copy of it, and, and we've been playing on it over the weekend a little bit. And, yeah, it's it's not bad. Like, to say that they started developing it in 2011, and it's now 2023... You'd expect it to be garbage. You'd expect it to be on a Duke Nukem Forever level of mismatch of different parts that have been thrown together by loads of different studios, which is technically true. But no, it's it's a fairly, from what I've played, I've played it for about two or three hours, maybe a little bit more. Quite a competent game. If you like the first one, you're going to love this because it is pretty much the same game again. Similar controls, a bit more polish bit cleverer writing it's almost like they've gone um certain bits of it very tongue-in-cheek so it's just to set the scene it's set quite a few years after the first one from what i understand and the game starts off with showing you a load of different people sneaking onto a plane that's fleeing the city and this plane ends up one of the the celebrities that are on the plane is infected and starts attacking people and the whole plane ends up exploding crash landing and whichever one of the people who snuck on that you choose to play as survives you wake up as them you cut through the plane find find one of the survivors is another celebrity and she gives you her address uh, you end up getting bit but for some reason you're immune same as the first game and you go off to where she lives which is in Bel Air and it's all mansions and celebrities and that kind of thing and you that's where you start and it's the location for me is not as endearing as the first one. I really liked Banoi, the the island in the first one, especially the very beginning where you're in the sort of tiki huts and cabins and pools and it's like a really posh hotel. 
I love that environment and exploring it and the fact that zombies could pop out from behind those huts and and all that kind of thing. This one's a bit more cookie cutter. It's just posh house, posh mansions and walled communities and it doesn't have that same tropical feel to it that I enjoyed of the first one. But that's not to say it's not enjoyable. There's a lot to explore even in the first little area that I'm in. And yeah, there's a lot of... I don't know if you call it fourth wall breaking, but there's one mansion I found, for example, that's um, owned by an influencer, a YouTuber. Well, it doesn't say YouTube, but clearly a YouTube influencer. And she's like doing everything for the views. And like, there's a lot of character traits in YouTube influencers that they get called out for that she's like demonstrates. So like she keeps shouting, let's go all the time and that kind of thing. And it's just, you can tell that they've got a good grasp of that community and like how to take the piss out of them. And I think it's quite, yeah, I quite enjoyed that aspect of how they've written this one because that must be new writing because when they started developing this game, YouTube influencers weren't a thing. So they must have worked that in at a later point. And I don't know how many rewrites it must have had, whether this was even the original concept for the game. I don't think anyone probably knows. But you had a look at the history of it, didn't you? And it was a, a bit muddy, to say the least. Ooh, yeah. So Dead Island, the original, was designed by a team called... Lost it. <laughs> Um, there we go. They were designed by Techland. So, yeah, so they designed Techland. It didn't do very well. I'm thinking because the um, trailer was really misleading. and Because the trailer was so well received when it came out. Because it was the one that played in reverse, wasn't it? Where it's the little girl. In the it hotel starts with room, the little yeah. girl lying on the grass outside. And it then sort of fast uh, rewinds and the girl sort of jumps up back through the window and it starts playing again where the little girl's attacking her dad, essentially. And mm. there's a bit of emotional weight behind it. And that's not reflective of what the game ended up being. It was very, uh, very by the numbers, first person zombie survival game, really, where you had a load of escort quests and fought off shambling hordes of zombies. You then had... They then sort of moved from that to making Dying Light. So because that didn't do so well, they tried something different with the zombie genre where they were like 28 days later zombies where the buggers could run like the clappers after you. Um, and then they carried on and did Dying Light 2. And then Jaeger were given sort of development of Di uh, Dead Island 2. That lasted a year before it was given to um, someone called... Sumo. Sumo, I think. Sumo, the following year. And then <laughs> they were removed in 2018, 2019, before, <laughs> before the original uh, designers of Dead Island 1 got given the project back again. So it's no wonder it's taken this long. And it just must be an absolute mishmash or a complete restart from everything that they designed originally, because after 11 years, I, I can't imagine any of the original project is left in there at all. I think the original idea must have been there, though, because the original trailer for um, 
Dead Island 2 is the guy, I don't know if you've seen it, where he's like jogging down like a Miami beach or something. Yeah. And then all the zombies start chasing after him. And that's very similar to what it's become. It's set in LA and um, where else is it set? Set in LA and, and San Francisco now. So similar locations to what that it looked like that trailer was set in and a similar like type of people the 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 like NPC characters. So I don't know, it must have carried some of that through, maybe, because it it, it does match the trailer quite well to say the trailer's like what, ten years old, longer? Just under ten just yeah. under ten years old now. So yeah, there there must have been bits of it they've pulled through, but it does look like to me they've taken the first game and really polished it up and then put new storylines over the top of it, which is pretty much what I wanted because I like the mechanics of the first game. I love the crafting. I love how much weight it feels like you have behind the weapons when you swing them. Um, so there's still the charge mechanic where you can hold down attack and then you do a really powerful swing. And if you swing a sledgehammer into one of the zombies' heads on this, you know you've swung a sledgehammer into their heads. It's sort of not... If you get the, the timing just right, it will knock their head clean off and their body just sort of shudders and falls and yeah, if the, one of the things I really like about it as well is it's the zombies react really well to where you're attacking them. So like we mentioned on Resident Evil 4, the remake, where they, you shoot them in the leg and they don't really react like you've shot them in the leg. On Dead Island 2, you slash somebody's leg with like a katana or something and it comes off and then they fall over and then they just crawl towards you. So you can limb target. Um, really accurately with with certain weapons, but it's obviously a lot harder to aim low when they're right up in your face and you're trying to take the legs out. So yeah, I do I do really like it. The writing for it is a little bit hit and miss, but most of it hasn't upset me too much. It's not been Atomic Heart level of sort of cliche and rubbish so far. The character I've picked is like your typical female Irish rock star, so she's got all the the Irish like quips and stuff, but they sort of work. I'm I'm not being annoyed by them. So yeah, I'm I'm quite enjoying it so far. It's it's not the the train wreck I expected. Um because I fully expected to put it in and it just be awful. And yeah, it's not been bad. So it, it might get bad because the first one went from being really good in my opinion in the first area to the town not being as good and then the sewers being horrific and the point that I stopped playing. So I'm not sure whether you'll get that level of progression in this as well, but so far I would say that they've avoided making an absolutely dreadful game when it could have been a complete car crash because of how long it's taken to develop it. Particularly when you consider that their um, last foray into the Dead Island franchise was Dead Island Riptide which I'd completely forgotten about, and they released that two years that. after the first one, and it was awful. And then they did the bloody collector's edition that was the mutilated torso. So it was <laughs> yeah. a, a partially naked woman's midriff in a bikini, so no head, no arms, and just sort of from just below the groin up in this horrendously scantily clad bikini which changed depending on the region you bought it in. So not only was it tat, it was tat in two languages. Um, so you got like the Stars and Stripes bikini if you bought it from America 
or you got like the Union Jack if you bought it in Europe, which is just and it just got slated because of that as well because not very tasteful Techland, really not. I've not played the game though. Have you actually played Riptide? Like, does it is it just a copy of the first game basically? Essentially, like... it, it plays very much the same. The story's different, but it's it's. It just got panned on release because it just looked like a shameless cash grab. Yeah. It was like Dead Island. It could have been Dead Island DLC, to be honest. Yeah, that's what I was thinking, yeah. I did did buy, at one point in my life, the Dead Island book, which is pretty much the story of the first game, but novelised. Because I knew I wasn't going to finish the game once uh, once I got to the sewers. So I was like, yeah, I'm just going to buy the book and read that. So I read that on holiday at one point, and it, I remember it being pretty bad, pretty badly written. It, it got the story across, but that was about it. So, yeah, I know what happens in Dead Island 1 purely from that book, but it was a difficult read from what I remember. So, yeah, it's a bit of a tainted franchise all in all, but it still had enough about it to lure me into paying 60 quid for the special edition of the uh, of Dead Island 2, so I got a nice little tin plate, which also was a bit disappointing because on the I was expecting A4 size at the very least, and it's actually A5. It's not much more, it's not much bigger than the box of the game. So when it got delivered, I was like, oh, I was expecting a bit more from this tin plate. But the game itself hasn't disappointed me yet, and I'm going to try it on a bit of multiplayer as well because it's drop in, drop out co op as well, I think. So that's always a nice addition. Uh, if you can just have somebody drop in and help you smack a few zombies around the head and then drop out again. So we'll see how that goes. But yeah, I just wanted to talk about it because it's it's a guy I had a lot of love for the first one. The demo, I loved the demo and that's what made me want to buy the actual game. And then, yeah, the actual game, the bit I enjoyed most about it was pretty much the bit that was in the demo. So I could have just carried on playing that. But yeah, I just wanted to, to have a little chat about it while it was still fresh in my mind because it's... Quite obviously, Dead Island isn't on the list of 100 games to play before you die. So this was the only way we were going to get to talk about it for the foreseeable. So I thought we'd have a, a little bit of bonus content. And as a plus, because this is on Patreon, we can swear as much as we want. So if you want to have a go, just go for it. There's no uh, there's no <laughs> well, rules over here. <laughs> well, here's hoping it's it's not the absolute show that uh, Dying Light, uh, sorry, that Dead Island Riptide was for you, mate, because it got three out of ten <laughs> from oh a load of game games reviews. <laughs> so, I mean, IGN gave it seven point two out of ten, but I trust about, oh, of IGN course they about did. as far as I could throw them. <laughs> so yeah, if I, um, that that is telling me that IGN got a nice little brown envelope and a copy of Riptide <laughs> and gave it a seven out of ten. If everywhere else has given yeah. it threes, but yeah, fingers crossed, and I'm sure we'll we'll be doing more of these bonus episodes as well um, to keep you all happy. We 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 want to talk more about the other games we've already covered because there's certain bits in Mass Effect and Pokemon that we, when we've listened back, we've realised we've really skirted over stuff. So we'll look to bring you these more often. Um, and if you're not enjoying them, you can. F- because we're allowed to say yeah. that on here. <laughs> I, f- I feel bad saying I'm going to bleep that. I'm going to bleep that. because that didn't, It didn't feel nice to say. It was said in jest and with irony. It wasn't said with any <laughs> heartfelt meaning behind it, folks. Um, I'm but yeah, still there are plenty it. of games. 
<laughs> there are plenty of games on the list that I I personally think should have at least got a mention, even if it was like a honourable mention. Didn't quite make yeah. the top hundred, but you know the the fifty underneath it would have been the following because you've got stuff like mm. Spyro that doesn't even get a, a nod. I can't remember what, what was the one we were talking about the other day, and I was like, how is that not even on the list? Sims. There's no Sims on there, and that's no fairly Sims. iconic. Um, yeah, Any so there's, of them, there's loads. Really? There's loads of games like Black and White. It deserves a mention. I know it was a bit of a a Peter Molyneux nose up, but I enjoyed <laughs> playing it when I was younger. It was it was fun for a bit. And there's there's games like that that, that obviously there's so many games out there you can't cover them all. Um, no. but but yeah, when when you're looking at a list that's got two Monkey Island games on it and no Day of the Tentacle, I. <laughs> For me, that's a yeah. Why not just put one of them on there and then do a different game in the same genre for the other entry, or like group them together yeah. and have like Monkey Island one, two, and three as an entry, and then so yeah, we we it's weird because we've picked to do this list and we have so many problems with this list personally, <laughs> but I mean, we, we're sort of beholden to it now. As you know, I'm a massive Resident Evil fan. But the fact that there's four entries taken up by Resident Evil games, I mean, they're all worthy titles, but did you need Resident Evil 1 and the Resident Evil 1 remake in there, where you could have just put it as one entry? This is it. If if you've got four entries taken up by three games, it doesn't make sense. Like, you, you're no. padding it out unnecessarily. And, like, two different... Um, we're giving a lot of list spoilers out here, but two different entries for Sensible Soccer... I'd question one entry for Sensible Soccer because as much as it's a good game, I don't know if it's one of the top 100 ever, but two, when they're essentially the same game, one just has a management mechanic added to it. It just boggles the mind. So, yeah, we, we're we fast becoming like, you know, when you, you really love something and then you just start hating it more and more and you get really resentful towards it. That's I feel like that's how we're getting with this list. <laughs> like we're just building resent for this list as we go through it. I can see us like burning the book, but come the end of it, just having a a ceremony to get rid of it. I I pity the last episode. <laughs> I pity <laughs> the last episode of this where we're just bitter and and it's just scorn and bile. And it's probably going to be one of the best games on the list. It's going to be Ocarina yeah. of Time, and we're going to absolutely <laughs> rip it to bits because we can't stand the thought of doing it anymore. When there's other games, like four Zelda games on this list, and I mean, don't get me wrong, yeah. massive Zelda fan again. But when you're taking the option to miss out things like Eternal Darkness, yeah. It makes you question why they've done things. And there's certain ones on there that you just... I mean, I keep mentioning Jet Set Willy. Probably of its time was quite important, but 100 games to play before you die, if you only had time to play 100 games, that is not one of the ones that you should be wasting your time playing. Um. So, yeah, I'm hoping these little break-up episodes keep us sane enough to finish the list where we can talk about what we want to a little bit more, and then once the list is done, I feel like the list is our gimmick to get our foot in the door, and then when people actually enjoy listening to us, we can talk about what we actually want to talk about. So, yeah, past that episode where we do the last one on the list, we're either going to have 
completely burnt out and not want to do it anymore or we're just going to be overjoyed that we can pick what we want to talk about and talk about that going forward so watch this space for that happening but (laughs) that's going to be at least another probably 50 episodes away so i think we've yeah we've got a decent chunk here for bonus content so hopefully on patreon you've enjoyed this sorry about my previous outburst i'll i will bleep that out it just it felt wrong i thought Sometimes you just think you'll naturally start swearing, but then when you have to force it, it doesn't feel right. I didn't no. enjoy it. No, I, I do apologise. Anyway, <laughs> we will leave it there. Uh, thanks for listening. If you are a Patreon follower, thank you. Although, at the minute, you don't exist. Hopefully this will have pushed some people into uh, into joining. It's it's not about the money as much as it is about... Well, it is about the money, to be fair, because we need because to... We, we need to cover overheads, but it's also about the sort of acceptance that people do want to listen to what we're doing and getting people paying for it on Patreon is a nice way to gauge that, I suppose. So yeah, if you if you are subscribed on Patreon, thank you for that. Hopefully we'll have got some new tiers up soon um, and we'll be looking to our Patreon followers to influence where we go, in, especially in these bonus episodes. So what games you'd like us to look at, uh, what you'd like us to hear us rant about next? I don't know. You pay pay some money to stop us recording an episode for a week <laughs> if you're fed up of listening to us. I don't know. We'll have a look at what tears we can do. Okay. But yeah, thank you again, and that's goodbye from me. Um, and uh, just for those people of you that aren't listening uh, on Patreon and have waited the extra God knows how long bef- for this to become available, just know that we are judging you. Um, and it's <laughs> goodbye from me. <laughs>